Great, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, I'm, oh, yes, I'm on. Um, okay. There is overwhelming historical evidence to demonstrate that a man called Jesus Christ lived on this earth about 2,000 years ago. And around 20 centuries later, it is estimated that 2.2 billion people claim to have some sort of loyalty towards this man, Jesus Christ. That's more than a quarter of the population of the planet. The impact that Jesus Christ has had upon our civilization is overwhelming. One solitary life lived in a distant corner of the Middle East all of those centuries ago continue to affect our planet, continue to affect it every day ever since. There are many things that make Jesus Christ unique. One of them relates to the claims that he made whilst he was here on the earth. He called himself the light of the world. Now, that's quite a claim, isn't it? You imagine if I stood up this morning and said, hello, my name is Terry. I am the light of the world. That would be the response. You would laugh. <laughs> Jesus called himself the resurrection and the life, as Joe mentioned prophetically earlier on. He said, I am the bread of life. He clearly stated that no one could come to God unless they first believed in him. He claimed to have the authority to forgive sin. Now, we may say, well, you know, forgiving sin is important. We, we need to forgive one another because actually, if you don't forgive, you harbor bitterness and anger uh, inside you, and that does you damage. But Jesus wasn't just talking about that. Jesus was talking about something bigger than just forgiving sins that have been committed towards him. So let me just give you an example as to what Jesus was actually saying and why it sort of frustrated and annoyed people at the time. Because Jesus was claiming something so much bigger when it came to the issue of sin. just want you to imagine for a moment that Martin and Dave are walking down the road and they're walking towards each other and suddenly Martin punches Dave on the nose and knocks him to the ground. I know it's very, very difficult to imagine that happening. <laughs> Family and friends and all of that, colleagues. But just try, if you can, to imagine that happening. So, so Martin has punched Dave on the nose. Dave's nose is bleeding. He's fallen to the ground. And I happen to be walking along that road. And I see this happen. I see Martin punch Dave, and Dave's lying on the ground. And I look at Martin, and I say, Martin, I forgive you. I wonder how Dave would feel at that moment. <laughs> I wonder whether Dave might think, who do you think you are? saying, I forgive you. I'm the one lying on the ground. How dare you say, I forgive you? Who do you think you are? The Lord God Almighty or something? But that's what Jesus was saying. He said, I have the capacity and the ability and the authority to forgive sin in that sort of way. He also said he has the authority to judge the world. He claimed to be the unique Son of God, the Messiah, God in human form. In effect, Jesus was saying, if you've seen, seen me, 
you've seen God. It's a wonderful story of a little boy who's drawing a picture. And his mom says, what are you drawing, son? And he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And, and the mom says, don't be silly, darling. No one knows what God looks like. The little boy carries on drawing. He says, well, they will when I've finished, won't they? <laughs> and in effect, Jesus was saying that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Now, the religious people at that time, they were listening to what Jesus was saying, and they were absolutely furious, incensed at what he had to say. They considered him to be a blasphemer. Now, blasphemy is the honor of God being insulted by human beings. And they believed that that's what Jesus was doing. He was dishonoring God with these incredible claims that he was this unique son of God, the Messiah, God in human form. And so they were absolutely furious. He said, this, this man's blaspheming. And, and that's a crime punishable by death according to our Jewish religious law. Now, the Jewish people at the time, they were occupied by the Roman Empire, so they had no power to carry out their desire to kill Jesus. And so they handed Jesus over to the Roman governor, a man called Pontius Pilate. They changed the charge from blasphemy to treason, and Jesus was crucified. But what happened after that was what we celebrate today, because there's a twist in the tale. The incredible end to this story, the reality of Easter. And the reality of Easter demonstrated that all of the claims made by Jesus Christ were actually emphatically true. Because he proved that he was indeed God in, in human form by conquering death and by rising from the grave. And this sets Jesus apart from any other human being who has ever lived. It separates Jesus apart from any other religious leader. And that's why Christians around the world and throughout the ages have recognized this day to be such a central day when it comes to God and faith. Easter Day. Easter Day remembers the very first Easter Sunday and how that changed everything. The very first Easter Sunday changed everything. It was a world-shaping, death-defeating, mind-blowing, planet-changing, life-giving, sin-conquering day. A day when God supernaturally broke into this world in an unprecedented way. It's impossible to overemphasize the importance of that very first Easter day. And so for a few minutes today, what I would like us to do is to look at that particular day all of those centuries ago. I want us to think about what happened on that day. And so we're going to do an Easter Sunday timeline. What happened on that very first Easter Sunday? And the theme of my talk today is what happens when we meet with the risen Jesus? So, let's look at, first of all, Easter Sunday morning. A number of women go to the tomb. It's very early in the morning. It's still dark. They've taken spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus. They arrive and they find the tomb empty and the body's gone. They fetch Peter and John who 
also find the tomb empty. Everyone leaves but one woman, a woman called Mary Magdalene stays. She's the woman who was close to Jesus. She was one of the, the number of women who were supporters of Jesus. And she stays close. She stays outside the tomb. And this woman is clearly devastated. She is weeping. Her world has fallen apart. All hope has gone from this woman. And at that moment, Jesus comes and he speaks. And she initially doesn't recognize him, but suddenly the penny drops. John 20 from verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. In her heartbreak, in her pain and devastation, at the moment where she feels that all hope has gone, the risen Jesus comes and simply speaks her name. And if you're here today and you're in pain, maybe there are people in this room who are in physical pain. So lady a regular attender at this church, relatively new attender, but a, relative, uh, a regular attender. She has been suffering from something called scoliosis, which is um, a twisted spine causing severe, ongoing, permanent back pain. Around five weeks ago, she was prayed for, and she's had no x-ray, so I can't confirm exactly what's happened. I'm not aware of an x-ray, but what I do know is that from that point until now, five weeks later, she has been pain-free and has not had to take her very, very strong painkillers. So if you're here today and you are in physical pain, can I say that Jesus Christ has risen, he's alive and well, and he is able to meet with you today? Maybe you're in emotional pain, like Mary. Maybe you feel all hope is slipping away. Maybe you're coming from a place of devastation. Can I say to you that the risen Lord Jesus will come to you? Can I say to you that he will meet with you, that he knows your name, that he will speak your name over you, that he can restore hope, that he can bring comfort. So I want to encourage you, if you're in that place today, at the end of this talk, I'm going to give opportunity for people to come and to receive prayer. I'm going to pray over people, and we've got a prayer team who are ready to help to pray for people. Because I believe that by his Holy Spirit, Jesus, who is alive and well, will meet with you today. On Easter Sunday afternoon, two people are walking to a town called Emmaus. We don't really know anything about these people. We, they may have been two friends. They may have been a married couple. We don't, really don't know. All we know is that one of them is called Cleopas. That's about it. That's all we know. 
but they're clearly confused as to who Jesus was and, uh, and what had happened in the events just before this day. They're walking along, and as they're walking along, the risen Jesus comes, and he walks alongside them. Now, they, again, they don't recognize who Jesus is immediately. And as they walk along and as they talk to Jesus, it's very clear that they're pretty downcast. And they're also unsure of exactly what has happened. They, they describe Jesus as a prophet. They mention him performing miracles. They mention that he, he has some powerful words that he speaks, but they're clearly disappointed They'd hoped he was going to set the the Jewish nation free from the bondage to Rome and reestablish the Jewish kingdom. And and now they're they're, they're really unsure of anything. They really don't know what's going on. And uh, and they go on to describe various people who've seen the empty tomb, but they conclude by saying, look, we, we haven't seen Jesus ourselves. We haven't seen him. And Jesus, as he's walking along, he explains the Bible to them. He explains how the Messiah had to die. He looks at the, the incredible prophecies, describing very accurately what would happen and how the Messiah would die and the particular death that he would suffer. And then there's a crucial moment. The three of them, they arrive in the village and they're going to eat a meal together. And this is what happens, Luke 24 from verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us. Maybe there are people in this room today who are unsure about Jesus. Maybe a bit like those two people. There's an element of confusion about who he is. Maybe like those those guys on that journey. You're on a journey. You're on a journey of discovery. You're trying to work all of this stuff out. Can I encourage you that Jesus Christ wants to walk alongside you? Can I encourage you, actually, to find someone, maybe a mature Christian who you've got to know, or someone from our leadership team, who can actually explain the truth to you, just like Jesus did to those guys on that Emmaus Road. And just like Jesus brought revelation to those two people, He can do that for you. He can do that for you. And let me tell you, it will transform your life. I've had the great privilege within the last two weeks, I've had the privilege of praying with two people who have committed their lives to Jesus and become Christians just in the last couple of weeks. And can I tell you the joy that they experienced And the relief that they experienced was overwhelming just for me to observe. Never mind what they actually experienced themselves. The reality of Jesus Christ coming and rescuing them and saving them. So 
So I want to pray for you today, if you're in that category, that actually your spiritual eyes will be opened. I want to encourage you to receive prayer today. Again, that prayer team will be available. See, there was once a man who was afraid to become a Christian. And he was afraid to become a Christian for a particular reason. There are all sorts of reasons why people battle with becoming a Christian. But this one man had this particular issue. He said he wouldn't become a Christian because he was, he was afraid, he was scared to tell anyone about the faith. So, and that actually, that fear of actually having to talk to people about being a Christian prevented him becoming a Christian. And he went to see a vicar to talk about this. And he said, this is my problem. And the vicar said, in your case, God makes an exception. If you become a Christian, you haven't got to tell anyone. And the man was, are you sure? He goes, oh, yeah, 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 just for you. In your case, see what you make of this morally. Uh, In your case, you can become a Christian. You haven't got to tell a single soul. The man said, great. So he, he goes back to his house. There's a bit of a, a sort of party going on. His, uh, his friends have gathered uh, in his kitchen. But he goes upstairs to his bedroom. He kneels by his bed, and he commits his life to Jesus there and then. And as he does that, the wonderful presence of God comes upon him. The Holy Spirit fills his heart and his life. He has an overwhelming sense of joy as if his heart was burning within him. He gets up off his knees from his bed after committing his life to Jesus. He walks downstairs. His friends are in the kitchen. About three or four friends are standing in the kitchen. He walks into his friends and he said, did you know that you can become a Christian and you don't have to tell anyone? It's wonderful. The prayer team will be available. I'm very happy to pray for you. And as that happens, I have great confidence that your experience will be that experience. That as you meet with the risen Jesus by his Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus will touch your life and your heart will burn within you. You're on a journey of discovery. I'm asking you to take a big step today. Maybe this is the day that you discover for yourself a relationship with God through his risen son, Jesus Christ. So we've reached Easter Sunday evening. John 20 from verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood, stood among them and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So here we have Jesus' followers. These people were the people who believed in Jesus throughout his ministry They were his closest friends. These were the people who would establish the very first church. The very first Christian church would be established by the people that Jesus was meeting with at that moment in time. The risen Jesus comes and meets with that group of people. 
And he begins from the outset the process of commissioning those people. He says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. In fact, what he's saying to them is, look, this is it, guys. You now know that I'm alive. You know I've conquered death. You know that I am who I said I was, that I am truly the Son of God. And then with all of this in mind, he then says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. In other words, he's saying, look, it's over to you. It's now time to act. You now know the truth. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep it to yourself? Or are you going to be sent? These were the first words of commission that Jesus gives to his followers. He said it to the very first people who believed in him. And he continues to say it to every person who would call themselves a Christian. He says it to you and I, if we're a Christian here today. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He says to us, you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, you'll be my witnesses. He says to us, he says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded of you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The risen Jesus Christ calls us and sends us to be effective and powerful witnesses to his life, his death, and his resurrection. And the question for every member of this church is this. Are we up for that? Are we up for all that Jesus is calling us to do and be for his glory? So there we have it. The very first Easter Sunday. In the morning, Jesus comes and he speaks into someone's pain and devastation, and he brings hope to them. In the afternoon, the risen Jesus comes and brings clarity where there was once confusion and disbelief. And in the evening, the risen Jesus comes and he commissions his people. So, if today you are in this position, we want you to have opportunity to respond. Let's stand together, shall we? We're actually going to start by worshiping Jesus. Let's stand. I wonder if Esther and the team would come back. We're going to Worship Jesus by declaring that there is a Redeemer.